0: Welcome to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisper podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, your host, The Game Whisper, And tonight I'm joined by Thomas Rushing, co-creator of Time Flux, Origins of War, a Kickstarter project currently running until December 11th. Thomas, thank you for joining us.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: I wanted to talk to Thomas today, and Thomas, thank you for being here, uh, about Time Flux. It caught my attention because... You had a reset or a reboot of this project, this Kickstarter project, a while back, and that's what I'd like to talk about is some of the things that you learned, some of the mistakes that you made. But before we do, why don't you take a few moments and tell us a little bit about Kickstarter, not Kickstarter, but uh, Time Flux and how you brought it to Kickstarter.
1: Sure. Um, time Flux is a, it's a card game that is based on time travel, and it is a competitive card game where you are represented in the game by a time traveler uh, character card. And you play against your opponent or opponents, and they are also represented by time traveler character cards. The object of the game is to destroy your opponent and basically uh, gain control of time. But as far as uh, where the idea itself came came from was a good friend of mine and a co-founder of uh, of our game and co-creator, Ryan Saplin, contacted me and said, hey, you know, I have this idea for a game, and uh, I want to make a card game based on time travel. and uh, and I want your hand to be very powerful and I want to be able to have some eras or some kind of time zone or something and um, and that's about all I said and uh, he sent me a, a list of rules in an email and the list of rules uh, didn't work out very well we didn't end up using very many of them but um, I took that and uh, and I got another one of our friends involved who's also a co-founder and co-creator of Time Flux and he Basically, um, Greg, his name's Greg Pouzon, and Greg Pouzon and I sat down and we worked out most of the mechanics. Uh, we also had help from a few friends, um, Edward Drew and Russ Park. They both were instrumental in trying to help us create the game. And uh, and then uh, we created a, like a, basically a storyline or a timeline to go along with the game that helped us develop the characters, which there's five different time travelers you can be. And, uh, and over time, uh, we had uh, three or four months that we put into it, and we just we created a game and worked every day on it almost. Um, many, many hours were put into play testing and developing the feel of each deck to try to make sure that each one would kind of have a familiar feel to other games, but at the same time, the game would stand on its own, and each deck would have its own kind of playability, um, so every character is a little bit different, and uh, they have their own kind of playing style and, and card base. That's how it came to be.
0: You then made the decision to take the game to Kickstarter. Tell me about that first initial effort, uh, bringing Timeflux to Kickstarter.
1: So when we first jumped on Kickstarter, uh, we thought, hey, we've got this awesome game. Uh, There's people that love the game at the card shop that we developed it at. And from from all the feedback we got, we thought, hey, you know what, Kickstarter's cool. Lots of people are on Kickstarter. There's lots of people getting backed on Kickstarter. We always see these games uh, getting backed on Kickstarter and... And so we thought, we'll just throw it on there and, and it'll be magical and we'll get lots of, uh, lots of uh, backers and we'll be able to give people our game and an affordable spread. And boy, were we wrong. Uh.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about that. How wrong were you? What kind of mistakes did you make? And what kind of things would people who are doing their own Kickstarter project learn from the mistakes that you made?
1: So, so the first thing that we did wrong was we didn't research enough about the name of our game and what we were going to name the game. That was our first mistake that we did.
0: What was the first name that you picked?
1: The first name was Time Wars CCG, and the CCG stood for collectible card game. So in naming the game, the first thing we did was we named it wrong. Um, and and when we named the game incorrectly, we could have left it uh, on Kickstarter um, for, for you know the duration of the campaign, but... We also made other mistakes that we wanted to clean up and get off Kickstarter. Um, the information's all still there. It wasn't like anything bad, but just in general, I mean, what what I mean by that specifically is we had our, our pledge amount was too high, so we had to come up with ways to try to lower our, our goal, the total amount that we're trying to get. Uh, initially, we were at 22000 Another thing we did was we just jumped right into Kickstarter. And, you know, from all the research that I've done, and I've talked to a lot of the, the, the people who are running Kickstarter campaigns for games um, that have had a lot of success. And one of the biggest things is they always say you need a following in order to be successful. You need a following prior to jumping onto Kickstarter. You have to have people following you on Twitter and, um, and conversations going in and, and a buzz about your game on board game geek and other websites similar to board game geek. You want to really be on the forums. You want people talking about your game. Um, you want people commenting on your game. You need a website, and you need to do the whole social media thing, and that's something that we didn't do either.
0: Did you have a personal Twitter account before you actually launched uh
1: I did, but I wasn't very active on Twitter, um, and because of that, it, you know, it didn't help at all. Um, another thing we did was we didn't do enough research as far as what kind of game people are looking for right now as far as the marketability of the game. Um, and the way it's sold, and what I mean specifically is, right now there's a lot of a lot of bad vibes out there towards new collectible card games because of the costs that's involved. It's very expensive to start and maintain a new collectible card game. You know, your typical collectible card game, you've got to buy a box, and you might be lucky right. enough to get one fourth of a set. You know, of the cards.
0: You've identified then several things that you. Did wrong or mistakes that you made, Uh, the wrong name, the wrong pledge amount, or the wrong funding level, uh, and kind of lack of the lack of buzz or a lack of a following. How did you, how did you figure out that you had the wrong name, and how did you go about fixing fixing that and picking a new name?
1: Well, the name of the game is actually something that uh, that is still being worked on. Um, Timeflux is a name that we chose that we weren't sure was going to be able to fly because there's also a card game called Flux out there, right. and they release sets called, um, like, there's I think they have one called Zombie Flux and okay. another one called Martian Flux. And they, they have a lot of uh, expansions to their game. They do. And so one of the things we, we learned how to do is use the forums, especially Board Game Geek. It's a really, it's, it's very helpful. When we chose our new name and we wanted to get on Kickstarter and wanted to get everything going so we can... We want to launch at the beginning of next year that's that's our goal and so when we chose our name the second time around which now it's time flux origins of war um we knew that we wanted something to do with time in our name and we knew that we wanted uh to to have something catchy like like uh like war flux or something like that and so we chose like a thematic uh title for the first set which we call origins of war and then the game itself is called time Flux. um when we chose the name TimeFlux. We knew there was a risk. We had a meeting with an attorney about it to make sure that the, the actual patent was available on that name. The trademark could be done on that name. And uh, we found it could. And so we decided we're going to go with it, and we're going to see what happens. We'll contact Lindy Labs, which are the owner of Flux, uh, right. at some point and, and find out you know how they're feeling. But for the duration of the Kickstarter campaign, we're just going to keep it the same. So just a few days ago, I spoke with um, – one of the people at Looney Labs, and uh, and they said that it was not a good idea to use that name. <laughs> kind of had already prepared for this in advance just in case, and so we're running actually a contest right now on Board Game Geek, where we're giving away free product uh, for somebody if they come up with a new name for our game. And the winner, there's a first, second, and third place. The winner gets a full free set of our game, which is five preconstructed decks, and, um, and right now, actually I have it right next to me, there's about a hundred and something posts on there with a bunch of different name ideas. And so, um, you know, I think naming a game is probably one of the hardest things. That's one of the things I've learned is that, you know, if you're more prepared when you first launch and start, that you don't have to deal with all these headaches during the campaign. And it's more of a smooth campaign and it, it comes off a lot more professional. And it's very helpful for people to see that side of the professionalism because then they, they feel like, you know, they're, they're buying a product that they can trust um, and that they can expect it to be high quality because it appears professional. So I think that's one of the things that I've, I've learned so far.
0: Let's talk about that, the professional level of your project. Your artwork on your Kickstarter page is very striking. The image of the woman cyborg is dark. It's uh, a beautiful picture. And you put a lot of effort into this artwork. And traditionally, that's one of the hang-ups that a project will have as they try to come to uh, bring it out to Kickstarter, is the cost associated with artwork. You found an innovative way to, uh, to solve that problem, didn't you? Why don't you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yes, we were able to use the Internet to our advantage. Um, we, my background is business. And I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of business in real estate, which requires me to know a little bit about contracts. And so, what I was able to do was write a contract and use a website called Echosign.com and uh, Echosign to upload the contract to the internet, where I could have people sign this contract and agree to the terms. And um, and they could um, they could sign up to be an artist with us. I was also able to write uh, several. Advertisements and letters on websites like Deviant Art, uh, CG Hub, and several other websites that have allowed us to basically um, get the word out there about our project and what we wanted to do, and um, and we started taking applications for artists. And we explained in all the articles and all the ads, this is this is free artwork that you're going to be doing. What you will get is you will get credit on the card, and if we are successful in our launch of our game, that when we make uh, our, our expansion to our game, that you will be guaranteed paid artwork between a certain dollar amount to a certain dollar amount, and um, at least one illustration will be done if you donate at least one illustration or you do one illustration for us for free for our first set.
0: What kind of uh, response did you get to that? That uh, is rather innovative way of doing that. Uh, was it a positive response?
1: We got about four or five hundred applications. <laughs> it was surprising, and uh, and so the way that we have our our group set up is we have our story writer, which is Ryan Saplin, and he was the originator of the game. He's actually working on stories, so we can release short stories with the game, along with comic books, and hopefully eventually it'll it'll be large enough to package into a small short book. Um, and so, and he also helps with ideas and mechanics and and, uh, and flavor text and that sort of thing and he's one of the co-founders of the game, and he came up with the original concept of well as to a game based on time travel. And then there's myself, which I try to do. I dabble in a little bit of everything, and I also handle the business end of everything. And then there's um, our art director, and he also helped with the mechanics. And so... And originally, I wanted him to work on all... All of the art for the game, and we were originally going to have a 250-card initial set launch, and we were originally going to be a collectible card game, and that just didn't it didn't work that way. Which I'm glad it did because it's much cheaper and much more organized this way. But what ended up happening was he said to me, "I, I can't do this on my own, and uh, I need some help." And so I thought, well, you know, I'll try to get 10 or 12 artists or something offline, and then we started getting these these. this just this flood of emails. From people all over the world who wanted to sign up and do, you know, and they had some of them wanted to donate and some of them wanted to do art for us.
0: Well, the artwork is very striking and very impressive. With the few minutes that we have left, let's talk about some of the other changes you made. One of them was changing the amount of time, uh, the funding length of time that you had your uh, project up on Kickstarter. Let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, it didn't change too much. It dropped. It only dropped a few days. Um, initially we launched it 35 days and then we pulled it off and um, we, we put it back up. Uh, when we put it back up, before, we actually put it up twice. So we're on our third run right now. The first time was from it was a uh, gosh, what was it? It was twenty twenty-two thousand. The second time, and that was up for about a week and a half, two weeks, and we didn't get very far on our funding. Um, we were only—I don't even think we broke a thousand bucks. And then the second time it went up. It was it went up for seventeen thousand and it was up for I think the same amount of time like thirty five days, and uh, shortly after that, maybe within a week, I was approached by a few friends of ours and they offered to do um, private funding for us and they came up with eight thousand bucks and then myself and one of my partners were able to come up with another four or five grand and. You know, combine that allowed us to drop our goal down to five thousand dollars. So we restarted the campaign, and when we restarted the campaign, we decided to go ahead and change the name, make the name change, and we threw it up for thirty days and um and that was actually the that's after all the you know reading research I've done, that's the recommended amount of time your your probability of being funded increases drastically if you're thirty days or less right. and so that's why I lowered the amount of time down to thirty days.
0: Well, you're sitting currently at 55%. Looks like you're well uh, on your way to making it. Uh, and then one question I have is that you said this is your third version. You, you relaunched Kickstarter. How hard, for those who haven't done their Kickstarter project, how hard is it to pull down your project and relaunch it like you guys did?
1: Oh, it's so easy. Um, everything's saved on your you know under your name so you're able to go in there and just copy and paste everything right over and move it over the biggest thing is maintaining the the kickstarter project that's a lot of work um you know you want to make sure that you're updating people you want to make sure that you're bringing things to the table every four or five days and letting people know hey this is where the project at you want to get people involved um Staying social with everyone and answering questions that people have is really important. You want to make sure that they feel like there's definitely a support system there and they're not just going to get some game and, you know, be left high and dry and nobody cares about them and their friends playing because, you know, the reason they're buying this game is number one, you know, they, they found something in your project that they really admire or like. Um, number two, they're trying to help a company get off the ground and get something going. And number three, they want to grow with the company and they want to be a part of it from the get go. And so, you know, those are things that you got to keep in mind is that, You want to keep, you know, that professional feel and look. Um, I think, you know, with us, we've been able to have a professional feel and look uh, for the most part, with the exception of having to restart a Kickstarter page two or three times. Um, Outside of that, and, you know, a name change, I mean, that's a really big deal. But outside of that, as far as the the way that we've presented our information, it's always been fairly professional. we also launched a website recently, and we were able to move a lot of the stuff from our Kickstarter page over to our website, which helped reduce the content on our Kickstarter, and it allowed us to be a little bit more organized as well uh, on our Kickstarter page. And I think that's important too, because I think you know you don't want people to get you want people to have access to content and data if they want it, but you don't want people getting lost in the content and data because it'll push people away.
0: Sure, that makes sense. If somebody wants to just kind of scan and, and just get a little bit of information, you don't want to flood them with too much information. Thomas, I just want to say thank you for being on the show. It's been great to have you here. So often uh, everybody talks about successes. It's not very often that we have somebody who's able to talk about some of the mistakes they've made. And in your case, it's led to uh, success. So thank you very much for being on the show.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. I'm glad you had me on here. I, 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 would, I wish I would have had something like this to go with when I first started looking on the, the Kickstarter page and the, the whole project because it would have helped me tremendously.
0: Very kind words. Thank you again. You've been listening to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisper podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, the Game Whisper, and thank you for listening and take care.